Thanks for tuning in to the Northwest Community Church podcast series. I'm David Amon, one of the pastors at Northwest. And as a church, our mission is to be a family of disciples making disciples. Those words are ones we've used frequently lately over these last couple years as we've clarified some of our goals and objectives as a team in how are we going to lead this local expression of God's family. These words that we use of being disciples come straight from scripture when Jesus invites us to follow him and to help others to do the same. And Jesus commands us in his final days on this earth to go and make disciples and teaching people what it looks like to follow him. We've been defining a disciple as someone that is learning to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And we would define making a disciple as simply helping others learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus. But we also know that maybe those words make sense to us, but maybe they don't make sense to everyone. Maybe the idea of trusting is a challenging one for you. Maybe you don't understand what we mean when we say obeying Jesus. Maybe you're questioning what this all means anyways, and am I a disciple? Maybe your question is more about your specific faith experience and your church experience and the way that words that we use might be confusing because we all grew up with different ways that those words played out in our faith experiences. And so we want to help bring clarity and bring together our church body around our mission. And we thought doing that in community with you might be helpful by having conversations with a microphone in the room and recording those conversations and dialoguing with church members about what they hear when we say some of these words and when we talk about what this mission is and why we exist. And so you are welcome now to join us in our first conversation. You are invited in as Ryan Simchenko and I and Robin Rutledge sat in the sunroom over here at the church office and talked about some of these things. We're going to break this up into a three-part conversation as Robin engages with us on what it means to be a disciple. Why are we using that word and how does it play out in the day-to-day life of a believer? We're looking forward to this conversation with you and we invite you to join us by sending us a note at info at northwestlife.org if you have questions that you think we should discuss. We look forward to inviting some of you to join us for these conversations. Maybe you'll be part of a future episode of the Northwest Community Church podcast. But for now, listen in to this first episode with Robin Rutledge. So David, how long, when, do you remember when it was that we kind of made, we first started using that phrase, we want to be disciples who make disciples? Like when, from the staff's perspective, when did that kind of? That's a really great question. Uh, Do you remember a time where it was like, okay, this is what we want to start doing? Was it like, a, know, like a January or something? Well, it was something that sort of came out of some of the last several years of just different transitions that have happened as a result of conversations with one of our coaches, Lou, uh, a guy that's kind of been a, a mentor to our team and kind of come alongside of us. And really it came out of some challenges from him on um, – just some things he saw in us as a staff team and challenging us on that sort of resulted in some language that that we were like, wow, we don't have that commitment the way we want to. So Lou's been working with us, I think we're at about two years now. I don't know that we really started talking about it publicly right away, though, because we were really kind of anxious about like, 
well, if we talk about this, we got to know what we mean. Right. So, some it's been over the last couple of years. You're, you're remembering it in January. Well, Maybe it was a year know. ago. I don't know that that's relevant. But I, did we say? Did we start saying the Great Commission before you used the term disciples it, making disciples, or around the same time? No, I think when we started reciting the Great Commission at the end of the services, I think it was around the same time that we started to say, how do we start? dripping bits of this language into our worship gatherings and into our church context. So I think that was, I think that was it. I remember like John Abel maybe getting up and talking about the new visions and explaining it. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. But yeah, anyway, probably a year. Well, yeah. we did recite the Great Commission and that language. Yeah. I'm tying those two together. Yeah. yeah so, so basically like for the past, I mean, and obviously every, most people know that our church has been through, I mean, two years ago, our church was in a really tough place. And um, going through a lot of a lot of difficult things, and and through so, in the past two two years, kind of during this time, it's been a time where I feel like would you say it's fair to say, David, that the church has kind of been we've kind of been to search seeking the Lord for direction, yeah. and, and and thinking about okay, what what really in the Bible, um, you know, not just what do we see churches around us doing, not just what would make us feel important or successful, but what does the Bible actually say? churches are supposed to do and how can we, how can we do that? So it's not completely rethinking, but so it's kind of been a process for, and not that, not that that wasn't what we were trying to do before, but just really trying to refocus on, on that. Um, so here's my question and, um, maybe, uh, let's see, maybe David, can we start with you? When you, what was your first reaction or actually, how about this? How about Rob? We'll start with you. What was when you first started hearing um, people, the pastors say, or whoever say from up front, "We want to be disciples who make disciples." Like what? What come? What came into your mind? What was your reaction when you when yeah. you started hearing I mean, people I, use that I term? I liked it because I I really love when churches focus on Jesus. I mean, I want to hear Jesus' name. I want to learn about Jesus. I mean, hmm. he is the representative representation of God to us in human form so it makes sense that we focus a lot of our attention on him so when I hear disciples making disciples it's an intention on Christ which Mm. I want to go to a church that has that intention so that was good I liked that Mm. but I also in in subsequent time it's like a title for me with I don't know what your paragraphs are or it's a mm-hmm. bone with I don't know what the flesh is. And okay. what I thought was happening was that you didn't want to, you as a staff or church didn't want to spell out <laughs> how that looks because it might look different and you don't want to give a prescription, you don't want to give a program, you don't want to give an image because that wasn't your intention. But now I feel like maybe with, I don't know what your intention was, but now I'm like, I'm not even exactly sure what you what you all mean right. and then it makes me curious what Jesus means in the Great Commission so I've got like two questions yeah yeah so what is what does it actually mean in the Bible and then when the staff talk about that what do we yes what and do then, we mean? are those the same are those different you know I'm obviously more interested in what the Bible says but I'm also interested if we're adopting it as a church that we're talking about the same thing when we talk about it yeah exactly and I think that's um I think that if there's been, I think that the, what you're talking about, kind of that reticence to come out, it, like like you said, discipleship, 
we just get these different buzzwords in the church. So right. discipleship is definitely a buzzword. It is. And and there's books that say, okay, discipleship, this is the book. And then you read the book, okay, we're doing discipleship because we have this this book. Yep. And I think that, and not that that's a bad thing to do. That's, I've read, watched those books and those are, those are great. But I think we didn't want it to be, and obviously I wasn't there, but I think David Rusevis is accurate that, that part of it was, yeah, what she said, that we wanted it to be a movement of, of people responding to Jesus um, and then being used by him in their lives. And sometimes if you're, if you give too much structure, if you say, okay, well, here's the materials and, you know, we're all going to read this book and we're all going to meet in these groups and we're all going to do these like 10 steps, then people just think about the steps and they stop thinking about Jesus. So yeah, I I feel like on the one hand, that's, that was exactly accurate. What she said is that not wanting to kind of micromanage or, or kind of put ourselves in between people and, and Jesus. And then at the same time, like you mentioned, there's the, there's, there's this, okay, what are the staff thinking? And what is Jesus thinking right. when he says that? And I think legitimately for staff, I know for myself, it's, it's definitely the case that sometimes there is a hesitancy because we, we want to make sure that what, before we start saying, Hey, this is what you should all do. We want to be really certain in our own minds that this isn't just how we can think we can get more people in our church or how we can make more money as a church. But, but this is, but this is, we're saying this to you because this is what we're sure Jesus is saying to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, but, now, but yeah, to add to that, to kind of, um, I think one of my reactions when I first, when we first started talking about this internally was I'd liken it to, um, Maybe you're a, uh, a New Year's resolution person that always tells everybody what all your New Year's resolutions are. But I'm kind of more of a, if I'm going to make a New Year's resolution, I'm not going to tell you about it. I want you to notice next June that, wow, David, you seem like you can run further. Or, oh, you have lost some weight. Or if you notice it, I can say, well, yeah, I committed to it back in January. I want, I, I want to be able to have um, kind of proven myself that, like, what I resolved to do, I've been faithful in doing, and so less than I'm going to talk about it and more I'm just going to do it. So that was kind of our commitment, I think, in talking. We were doing it internally as a staff. We're like, okay, what does it look to kind of shift our priorities and our focus towards a Jesus-style disciple-making approach in ministry? But we started talking about it, too, because we're like, we can't not talk about this. But we also don't want to lay out a program because we don't want people to think it's a program. Right. It's not a program. It's a culture. Right. And it's a lifestyle. And so I think there was that tension of talk about your New Year's resolutions for accountability, but don't talk about them because you don't want people to think you're failing at it. And so I think we kind of found ourselves maybe um, talking about something before we were ready to talk about it, but wanting to talk about it because it really matters. And so mm-hmm. I, I guess if that helps, maybe that was sort of, I think, the mentality and how that feels on a personal level, like a comparative example. Yeah, sometimes with the New Year's resolution thing too, you it just feels good to talk about it, and you f- can feel like you've accomplished something because you said I'm going to do this this year. And yep. but but and the same thing with discipleship. We, if we if you just kind of slap on like, hey, this is what we want to do, then you feel like you've actually done it, and that's just not the case. So we, we wanted to make sure that we didn't allow talking about it to get in the way of yep. of actually exactly. of actually doing it. But also, the, there's the point of if you are going to run or lose weight you know, studying about it, talking about it, sharing ideas about it helps you do it better. So I'm thinking as a church, it would have been, you know, fine, fine, I'm not the leaders, but just to say, this is something God's placed in our hearts. Let's talk about it. Let's 
let's grow in it. Let's study it together. Uh, you didn't have to have all the answers before. So, anyway. Here we are. Here today. we are. <laughs> Here we are today. Yeah. And I think Robin, this be, you're helping us. You're helping us do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think this would be a, a good point to say, like, yeah, the, the reason, the, the reason that, that I specifically wanted Robin in this conversation is because we were having a conversation yeah. the right. other day, and Robin was like, yeah, I don't really know it. Yeah. Thank you guys. It's not clear enough. And I was like, that's exactly the type of person us, but that we want to yeah. talk to. And, and you know, we, we also, I know that you're nervous that you're going to be too critical, but one of the reasons that we want you in these conversations is because we don't want, we don't, we don't want to just feel good about ourselves and have questions. So go you asked me not to feel good about yourselves. I'm the one that you choose. We want to feel, <laughs> <laughs> we want to feel really good about ourselves by actually okay. having it be effective. There you go. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so I'll say for myself, um, you know, so at the time, this time last year, so this time last year I was still in, in well, I wasn't in China, but I was in Asia. But so two years ago, when we saw conversation for starting, you know, my wife and I, we were in, in China. And so when we came back, and we've been working with Campus Crusade doing, doing disciple making um, for, for 13 years. And so when we came back, this, about this time last year and started having these conversations with, with David and Matt and hearing, hearing you guys say, hey, we want to be a church of disciples who make disciples. I was like, that's, I was honestly really excited because that's exactly what, that was basically just lifted from our, like our, our mission statement. So that's exactly the type of thing that we focus on trying to do with what we were doing in, in China as, as missionaries. And so I think sometimes for, for missionaries or people that work for, uh, for gospel, for religious organizations, it can feel like, well, the church kind of has their own, their programs and, and some things that can get in the way of doing what Jesus has actually called us to do, uh, just because you develop these traditions and, and things like that. And so to, to hear a, a church really say, hey, we want to, this is what we want to do. We want to focus on this. I got really excited. Um, so let's, let's say maybe we can share a few things. Um, just basically around what discipleship is in the Bible. Uh, so, and then I, I want to ask a question about discipleship that we see in, in culture. So a couple, a couple of verses, um, maybe we can just read these. Uh, Robin, would you read Matthew four eighteen through 22? Yes. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So, um, yeah, we, we see kind of in the first, in the first century, just, so Jesus wasn't the only per, just discipleship and making disciples wasn't like original to, to Jesus. It, it was something that was very common where different rabbis and, and, and leaders, they would have their, you call them like students or disciples that would, that would follow them and they would, would, would learn from them and they would, 
uh, try to apply their teachings and pass it on. And so, yeah, that's what, when Jesus is starting his ministry, he's calling a, a number of, of men to himself um, to, to do that. Um, so David, can you read Matthew 10, 24 through 25? For sure. Matthew 10, 24 through 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Yeah, so I think here, here we see that like um, that that part of being a disciple, the goal is to become like your like your teacher. That the reason that you follow Jesus around and the reason that you listen to what he has to say and you watch the way he lives is because you you want to be like you want to be like him. Um, and let's see, I'll read Matthew eleven eleven twenty eight. Uh, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and this is kind of when Jesus is just giving another um, open invitation. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he he sees he's he's looking around in the context. He's looking around and he sees that the Jewish people are there. There's there's lots of rabbis. There's lots of teachers. Lots of leaders. And the Jewish people. There's some are disciples of this person. Some are disciples of that person. And he sees that the the Pharisees. Um, that they're they're not really leading their people to God. They're just kind of weighing them down with a bunch of rules and making them feel terrible about themselves and feel like they can never measure up. And and so Jesus, he sees them, and, and, and back then they would use this phrase, like, to take my yoke on you. Like, basically, c- come walk alongside me, work along with me, learn from me. It was kind of a like a, a metaphor for become my apprentice or something like that. Um, and he, he sees people that are being disciples of, of others. And, and this is what he says. And and then he sees that they're, they're tired and they're, they're burdened by this. And so he says to him in, in 1128, he says, come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's not just talking to people who are kind of out in the, in the ether somewhere. He's talking to people who are burdened and heavy laden because they're disciples of other, of other teachers. And, And he says, um, he says, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I think this is, as we look at the Bible, these are just kind of summary texts about what it means to be a disciple. It means that we want to be people, just like Robin, you said, people who are who are are learning from Jesus, who are understanding Jesus' teachings, and who are responding to Jesus' teachings. Um, so that's kind of the whole big picture, and and, um, and I would think that most people would would, would agree with that. The, the question I want to ask now is: so that's kind of the that's kind of like the the theoretical definition. And so, Robin, I want to ask you: what types of questions do you think come into people's minds when they hear when they hear that? What types of reactions or confusion or questions? Or, or, or that you might have or you see other people would yeah. have. I mean, I can speak, I feel better speaking just for myself. Because yeah. I, I haven't had a lot of discussions with many people sure, on yeah. this. Um, I've had some. But, so I see the model. Like, okay, so basically as a believer, I want to go to the Bible. You know, I want to go, love you guys, 
love the teaching you do, but ultimately, I want to know what Jesus says about discipleship. So now I'm like, okay, the model is you follow a man around for three years. I mean, it's not, you know, that's not what I don't think you're saying to do, and that's not practical to do. So then I needed to know, like, okay, I'm not going to do it just like that in this context. Right. I could follow you around for three years, Ryan. Please don't. You want me to. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I didn't think you would like will, that. Will you babysit my kids? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. But anyway, so that, now I need another context because that context is not part of my culture. Hmm. And then I feel like that that is a wide, uh, a wide thing. So then I think, okay, is it where you have to, because in my model of growing up, you sit with someone with the Bible, one-to-one, and they're not as mature of a believer as you, and you're telling them about, you're, you're looking at Scripture and helping apply it. Or is it myself with a peer in a Bible study, studying the Bible and talking about it? Does it have to be someone that's more mature in the faith to younger? Is there time and setting constraints? Like, I, those are the things that I'm like, I don't know what y'all mean, and I'm not sure what Jesus means, because I can't do the model that he did. Yeah, he's, he's not here physically with us. We can't come over to his house for dinner. Um, yeah. I, I, love, I, I love your analogy there, Robin, that it's not practical in our culture, so we have to kind of figure out, okay, well, how do we be faithful to what Jesus commanded us to do? while contextualizing to we don't have these three-year apprenticeships model right. that they had. So what does it look like? And I think that's where there's parts of what Jesus did that I see that are like uh, descriptive of like, well, this is what it looked like there. But then there's parts that are that are prescriptive of, well, this is what we can still do. And one of the things that comes to my mind is I wonder with, I, I love when Jesus called his disciples kind of a similar time period here, but the account in Mark, um, Mark 3.14 says he appointed 12, and we also named apostles so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. And multiple times Jesus talks in the Gospels about that his disciples spent time with him. Right. And so I think in, in the sense it's like less descriptive of, well, it has to be in this context, and more it's an idea of, of spending, that we're spending time with him. And I think that's what, that transcends our cultures like okay so then it looked like this model here it looks like it looks like one-on-one discipleship sometimes it looks like you being in a bible study with some ladies and coming alongside someone else sometimes i think there's a lot of ways that we spend time with one another with scripture at this at the center that that that's that's the that's the, the critical piece of it it's not like that it has to be in a certain uh, a certain context all the time but it's kind of the heart of what's behind it what is what are we trying to accomplish here it's we're trying to, t- trying to spend time with jesus and help others to spend time with jesus um whatever that looks like yeah let's so and i think it's, it's a great point that you know since we don't have jesus bodily with us but so let's look at acts 2 Acts 2, 42 so here, here's a couple of passages i know these are probably very well known for people um but but um but again, just trying to look at these passages from with the lens of, you know, how can we do this? What does this look like? What does this look like in our daily lives? So here's two passages in Acts two forty two. Um, let's see, and this is like right after the Pentecost, 
when um, th- there's a lot of pe- there are already some people who were who were disciples of Jesus, mm-hmm. and then they uh, then Peter goes out and he preaches, and a lot more people um, trust Christ too. And then uh, David, could you read forty two through forty seven? Sure. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, so I think, like, what we see kind of here... Um, we, so, so we can't sit in a room with Jesus bodily right now. We can through the Spirit, obviously, but, but not bodily. But what we see that they're doing, um, there's this group of disciples, and they get together, and it says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, and, and I hear that and I say, okay, that's something I can't do. And obviously, because we have, we literally have the apostles' teaching. We have the same, we have the very words that, you know, that, that the apostles that Peter, that Paul, that James wrote down to sure. those people, we have them in our, in our, in our Bibles. And so we can, so I can't sit with Jesus in a room physically right now, but I can, I can devote myself to the apostles teaching. And then it says, uh, they devote themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship. So I can, I can be in, in committed, vulnerable, intimate relationships with people, or I can pursue that breaking of bread. So it's, um, probably referring to the to the taking communion together, taking the Lord's Supper, and then and then praying. And so, um, I think that's kind of a maybe a little bit more of a of a of a relevant picture for us as far as okay, what should I do on Monday morning? Well, how can I devote myself to the teaching of the apostles in the Bible? How can I uh, be in fellowship with other with other believers? How can I break bread with people? And how can I be be praying? And with, that's with the people. being the disciple part, not the making, correct? Or do you see that as both? Yeah, I mean, I think that, so I'll say that the first step, obviously, the first step to making disciples is being a disciple. And so I think that sometimes we we can kind of just assume that, okay, well, all of us in the church that know Jesus, you know, we're we're following, we're living the life of a disciple. Now let's go get more people to come in. And I think that absolutely that that's the first, that that's kind of the being a disciple. And then, and then you think, okay, how can we, how can we bring more people into this? Because um, I think as a church member, I'm pretty, or as a believer, I'm much more clear on being a disciple okay. than I am on what you all mean by making disciples and maybe even what Jesus meant in the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I really have a concept. I mean, we studied Acts before you got here. I mean, I really have a concept of, I mean, I think as a believer, you know, studying God's Word, being in fellowship, being an active member of a church, uh, having people to talk to about spiritual matters, continuing to grow. I mean, there's so many resources now to learn about Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. there's more than ever in my whole lifetime. Podcasts, Bible studies, uh, you know, we have life group. It, that part is easier to me to understand than the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if that's true for for other people in our church, but yeah. Well, so, so the being makes more sense to you. Yeah, being making... being seems 
And uh, yeah, for me, it's like I, I understand that. Can they be separated that way? Well, I mean, I mean, not not if you're a believer, you want to share the gospel for sure. But that's where I don't understand what your as a church focus is, and I don't understand maybe even the Great Commission, um, where evangelism starts and where discipleship is, you know, you go into all nations. So there's an element of they don't know me. Um, there's, a, there's behaviors, teach them, baptize them. There's behaviors involved in that. So I am thinking when you're guys talking about it, are you talking about that I need to be poured into someone younger that I needed to be continue growing myself with other church members? Should I be, and I, we joked about this, should I be handing out tracks through the McDonald's drive-thru when I get my Diet Coke? Like, what What are we talking about? And are we talking about all of them? And maybe helping us as a church have visions and brainstorms and pictures of ideas, you know, not to be prescriptive, but yeah. these could be this, these could be this, these could be this. It doesn't have to be one-on-one for three hours, you know, once a week. These are all those things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, you know, yeah. brainstorm ideas, and then we can put those more into practice versus a nebulous concept that I'm, I'm not 100% what you guys mean. Sure. So it's especially on the, what do I do to help make disciples? For me, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's... that's I, I've heard that from, from yeah. other people as well. It's kind of like, okay, well, how are we going to reach out? How are yeah. we going to... Well, I, so I guess a, a follow-up that I would have is, so Robin, you would say you understand what it means to be one. Yes. How did you come to understand what it means to be one? Because if you know what it means to be one, then somebody yeah. made helped make you a disciple. Absolutely. So what, was, what, what do you remember yes. formative experiences? Well, you? the first thing is that that why that model of sitting down with someone opening the Bible and explaining it to me was never probably part of my experience as I was raised in a Christian home. So my understanding of the Word of God was my whole life. It was birth to when I left. And, um, you know, first through eighth grade, I went to a Christian school. I had Bible study as a class. I was always involved in church. I was in a Monday night in high school when I was not in my shiniest Christian form. I had a Monday night Bible study with just girls, uh, women youth group leaders, once a week, Monday night. I can tell you we had taco salad and intimate chocolate chip cookies. I can still remember it. And I was I going for studying the Word? Probably not as much as I was going for the food and the fellowship. But the point being is we studied the Bible. You know, then, I mean, I went to a Christian college. I was in church. There's life groups. Um, I'm in a Bible study. I mean, a a thousand opportunities I have had. Praise God, and I thank Him for it. But I think all those, it wasn't someone like you and me, Ryan, meeting once a week to open the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mine was always in group form. I mean, except for like my mother and myself. Group form. Small group opportunities. So you maybe never had a quote-unquote discipler. Somebody's right. like, I am a disciple of yes. so-and-so. It was a bunch of opportunities. It was, you know, really, the when I grew the most, it was small groups where I could ask questions, mm-hmm. and there was some free dialogue. So, you know, that was the, probably, and still is. Like, I'm still in a Bible study where you can ask questions, or I have conversations with friends mm-hmm. that are believers. Where you could, So, to me, it's it, 
that part of community and fleshing things out together was very important and still mm-hmm. is to me. Sure. Yeah. But it's not that, like when I think of a discipler, mm-hmm. I'm sitting with someone at my kitchen table, we're drinking coffee, and I'm saying, this is what this means. This is what the way you walking. This this is how good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm, I don't, that's not my experience. And, and sure. um, so have, have you done that for other people? One-on-one? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I've met and meet with people one-on-one, yes. Have we talked about very applicable things? Yes. Have I said, let's read Matthew 1 and discuss it, and, uh-huh. then, and we're doing this together? No. Okay. Not one-on-one. Yeah, and I would say I've had, I've had experiences where um, I kind of may have the opposite experience, where throughout um, high school and, and college and then even after college, I had multiple people. And I think that's maybe getting the point that at that point, discipleship was becoming a buzzword. And so we would say, okay, who is going, who's going to be your discipler? This is our discipleship group. Like, okay, the, when I was in college, it's like the, the, the juniors start discipling the freshmen, and then when the freshmen become juniors, they disciple the freshmen. And then so look Which at, I think look, is fabulous. And I think it's, it's fabulous, too. But what my experience was is that I could point to multiple times where quote, this so-and-so was, quote-unquote, my discipler. But that never it, – it, it, at the end of the day, it felt like I was just doing a Bible study. And that's that's not being completely fair. There's definitely ways that I was challenged, but but it was it wasn't ever. Um, I, I think it was. I, I, what I'm trying to say is, I think I had the same experience as, as you, um, as far as like just growing in what it looks like to obey Jesus and follow Jesus organically through being around Christians and hearing preaching and being in a life group and asking questions and reading the Bible for myself, and, and that that was. That even though I maybe had a, a few different people who at different times was my official discipler, um, that that wasn't necessarily the thing that, that, that did it. So now I'm thinking, you know, when you guys say this, I'm like, am I supposed to get someone and have a younger person that I meet that we da-da-da-da-da? Or is me being involved in a life group with younger, young marrieds where we talk about spiritual things twice a month, does that count? And does that count? Like, it, I'm always like unsure of what we're talking about in terms of an intention or what counts as that. What a great question, and we look forward to further unpacking it on the next episode of our podcast as we continue to talk about what it looks like to be disciples who make disciples. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like as a church? We hope this has given you some things to think about. Maybe it's given you some questions you want to ask. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to send it to info at northwestlife.org. Please subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app. And we look forward to joining you next week. Episode 2 will release next Sunday. And we'll continue with this conversation with Robin Rutledge.